Hey there, it's Vashti Sarah. Welcome back to Post Blog. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, like button, follow button, share button, all the buttons to stay connected with the Post Blog podcast. For all those who have been following along, thank you. Thank you for staying connected. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you for listening and just thank you for being a part. So today I'm going to have one of my friends, Veronica Guerrero, join me on this podcast. This is a very special podcast to me because she's going to talk about a topic that can somewhat be controversial in the Christian community, and that is depression. Before we get into all of that, I just want to say Veronica is one of my dear friends. We've known each other through our college years at SAGU, and then within the recent years, we actually became really good friends. She recently graduated with her master's degree in clinical psychology, and right now, currently, she is a licensed psychological associate. Just feel free to sit back, relax. If you're driving, of course, don't relax, but go ahead, grab a cup of coffee and just open up your hearts to hear what she has to say. I know for sure that this is divine from the Lord. I specifically heard from him to ask of her to share on something pressing and that pressing topic was depression. So Veronica, take it away. Awesome. Thank you, Vashti. Um, Yeah, thank you. I just want to say thank you. It's a total honor to be asked to, when you asked me to be on your podcast, I was like, Oh my God, yes, a million times. <laughs> uh, so very excited. Um, and yes, I chose this topic of depression because I think it's way more common than people realize. And I think within the Christian community, it could be something a little taboo and people can even feel ashamed to talk about how they truly feel and what the things that they're truly struggling with because of fear, shame, and probably some other stuff that we might hit on today. Um, But I wanted to start off by even defining depression because a lot of people will say, oh, and we just throw it around. You know, we say depressed or OCD or bipolar uh, just based on little details without really knowing what the original or clinical definition is for those words. And so I'm just going to kind of give a summary of what clinical depression looks like. It's different than sadness, and I'll differentiate between the two. Clinical depression uh, is characterized by someone having a really down, depressed mood, loss of interest, loss of pleasure in things for at least two weeks. Like this is ongoing for a solid two weeks every day, most of the day. Um, It's not just I feel sad for a little bit and then it goes away. It's persistent for two weeks or longer. Um, And normally people experience either a loss of appetite, like they're not wanting to eat at all or there's a decrease in it. Or there's an increase in appetite. So either or, it depends on the person. And similar with sleep, some people will struggle with some insomnia or some people just want to sleep all day and they, the moment they get home, they just want to go straight to bed because they have no motivation. Um, you know, And it's similar in terms of moving around. Some people move around a lot. Some people are just really slow. They feel a lot of fatigue. Uh, feelings of worthlessness can be common or excessive guilt. Um, and with that being indecisive, losing concentration, uh, and some people get to the point of considering suicide or just not wanting to live anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when people say I'm depressed, you know, it could be true. It could also not be true. It could just be, you know, a normal average sadness. Right. Um, but when someone in the mental health community uses the word clinical depression, we're referring to this, we're referring to at least a solid two weeks of persistent 
depressed, down mood, you're eating, you're sleeping is out of whack. Um, you're feeling really low. There's a loss of motivation and it's affecting your day-to-day life. It's affecting your work. It's affecting your relationships. It's affecting your life in a way that is negative. Mm-hmm. Um, are there, I don't know if that makes sense. If I explain that well. No, you so did. You, you absolutely did. I remember I, when I was a little younger, um, or a lot of younger, to be honest. But one hmm. time I was really sick and I was a, a, my mom's friend told my mom that I was, oh, it's just that she's depressed and, you know, she's blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't actually that it was I was just being in a funky mood. But now that you've defined yeah. it, like I wasn't consistently um not eating or consistently not interested in whatever was happening or consistently not having a a steady sleep cycle. It was just, I was in a pretty funky mood and come to find out it was, you know, a cyst in my back and that was causing Mm -hmm. pain and, you know, all these different things. And it wasn't what her friend told her. And it's, I think Mm -hmm. it's easy, like you said, to just blow it off as, Oh, I'm just depressed or, you know, but from a clinical perspective, it, has to be a consistent thing. Right, right. Yeah, I know. And you even pointed out something that is super important. So normally when somebody comes to a session or is wanting to be evaluated to see what's up, hey, am I actually depressed? Mm -hmm. We always want to rule out a medical reason. So in your case, maybe a cyst played a role in it. For some other people, there's hormone issues and hormones take a huge, they influence highly your Uh, mood Mm -hmm. and your energy levels. And so we always want to rule out any medical reason or physical reason that can account for that low mood or low energy before saying, Hey, it's clinical depression. Right. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, yeah, I, I've heard it be throw around, thrown around a lot. Um, especially for example, if someone's grieving, which there's a normal Mm -hmm. sense of grief as well. So, um, And I mean, all like, I want to jump into this in a second too, like what the Bible says about depression and grief and all of that. But um, in terms, I guess, from the clinical standpoint that we're on right now, it's just uh, when that grief is extended, you know, we, we may not use the word clinical depression for grief because we understand that's a normal part of grief. And with grief also, there comes a point where the person can look back on that person that was lost mm-hmm. um, to death and remember the happy things and even laugh and, you know, and remember and be able to talk about it and move on with their lives in a way that is meaningful while there's still going to be really, really hard days and really, really hard weeks and months and even like birthdays and holidays and all that's going to be really hard still. But um, with time, you know, it, it gets better as they cope and as they have other relationships and as they learn how to deal with that pain. With clinical depression, we see it as something that is really interfering with someone's day-to-day life and they're not being able to function. Like Mm -hmm. they can't fulfill their responsibilities. For some people, it's severe to the point they can't even shower and get up and eat and do things. And so that's when we, the point of, you know, using the word clinical depression or um, I guess the official term would be major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm. It's to label the issues that we can tackle it and find a solution. Wow. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to start off by defining what it was. And then, I mean, the next point I wanted to hit was, can a Christian be depressed? Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Because I think some people feel ashamed to say that they feel low or that they are experiencing depression because it's like, hey, 
I have my faith in the one true God. The spirit of the living God is inside of me, yet I am down acting as if I don't have the victory in Christ. You know, we talk about, you know, the victory in Christ and the victory of the cross and all the gifts of the spirit that God gives us. And so when we find ourselves struggling, I think some Christians have, we feel ashamed or we feel guilty, even guilty that we're not living in the fullness or in the abundant life that God and Christ intended for us. And it honestly saddens me now that I've studied psychology and I've learned a lot. It saddens me because, I mean, you know, God gave us emotions and emotions are a normal part of life. We're made in his image. Even God has emotions for us. It's a little different because we're sinful and we can fall short and all that kind of stuff. But um, sometimes we experience depression because of trauma, right? Sometimes we experience depression because of things that happen to us. And it's not necessarily because of a sin that we committed or because we are sinning. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I don't know. I thought of several scriptures I wanted to reference. One that came to mind is Ecclesiastes three. Um, and it talks about how there's a time for everything under the sun. And verse four says, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And I thought of this because there's a part of life that is like, hey, there's the happy times and there's the hard times. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to, you know, um, there's going to be times when we're laughing, when we're having fun, enjoying life. There's going to be times when we're struggling. But in that struggle, that's where we would ask ourselves, okay, is my day-to-day life being completely interrupted or ongoing that I cannot do life? And that's where we would say, okay, maybe it's clinical depression. However, does that all of a sudden mean that, you know, you're a bad Christian? And I would argue, no, I would argue no. And I don't know what your thoughts, Vashti, or your feelings are about this, or you're even maybe like experience of hearing about it. Mm -hmm. But I thought of some Psalms that reflect kind of like a depressed state that I wanted to share. But before doing that, I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to share so far. Well, I mean, growing up in a very conservative home and just Christianity that I experience, depression is pinned as a sin. So mm-hmm. I'm still wrestling with that thought process because I know, I mean, I've, I've admitted to my husband that mm-hmm. I had been depressed before and yeah. I was at the point where I was like, Lord, I I wouldn't mind if you'd take my life. I didn't have the guts to yeah. take my own life. Um, yeah. But I I was begging God, Lord, just take me away because I just can't mm-hmm. handle it anymore. Physically, mentally, emotionally, I was just in a rut. And yeah. I just didn't know how to process healing, process forgiveness, process all the things, the hurt that was done to me. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. did not know how to walk through it. And yeah. At the time, I was not open and I didn't vocalize what had happened to me. So I was battling this on my own. And I thought, my goodness, Vashti, you are sinning. You are not a Christian Mm. because you're depressed. And as a Christian, you should forgive, move on, have hope. And Mm. it wasn't until I went to counseling. I signed myself up for counseling on my own. And um, I, I talked to my counselor and it was a Christian counselor and she she told me, she's like, Vashi, there's no sin in your emotion. You are right in how mm-hmm. you feel. And yeah. as you said, we have emotions. God gave us as humans, we have that natural instinct instinct to respond a certain way. But mm-hmm. it's 
she made it very clear that actively living it, living in it and not pursuing to get mm-hmm. out of the rut is when it can become a sin is is when we say, yeah. OK, depression is OK. This will be me mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And we pin right. that on ourselves. So that has been my yeah. understanding of whether depression is a sin or not. Christians can yeah. be depressed, but it's when we actively live in it. That's when we kind of cross a fine line there. So I don't yeah. know your thought process yeah. on that, but that's just where I'm. Like, that's just where I am in terms of clinical yeah, depression. Absolutely. Thank you for being so transparent and sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, too, like, you know, in the depression, if somebody is like, you know, choosing to label themselves that way, mm-hmm. you're we're now limiting ourselves from the help that God can extend to us right. and healing that is readily available to us. So, yeah, I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I was thinking of like Psalms to share, I'm going to share one, just a little like short part of it. Mm -hmm. Most of the Psalms that are depressive, that sound kind of down at the beginning, usually end up happy. So the first one is like Psalms 13. I'll read us part of it. And it ends happy. You know, the Psalmist, in this case, David, encouraging himself. Well, there's a Psalm, Psalm 88, that literally starts off depressed and ends <laughs> even more depressed. Right. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm going to read the last line of that Psalm and then we could maybe comment on it. Um, but first, Psalm uh, four, 13, uh, the, I think I said 14, it's 13. And it's written by David. And I'll just read the first couple of verses. Mm-hmm. It says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Hmm. And then he goes on a little bit more and then he reminds himself of the faithfulness of God. And of course, with David, you know, he was fleeing for for his life at times. So maybe that was one of the times where he wrote that, but there's this sense of despair Mm -hmm. as he's praying to God and saying, God, I am wrestling in my thoughts. I have sorrow in my heart. Like if you don't, if you don't come through, like, I feel like I'm going to (laughs) die. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not doing okay. Um, so that's King David for you. Um, Psalm 88 is written by uh, a Levitical musician. Mm-hmm. His name is Haman. I don't know much about him, but I know that <laughs> he's the one who wrote it. And I won't read the whole thing because it's really long, but I did circle a couple of verses I wanted to share. So verses three and four read, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go to the pit. I'm like one without strength. And then he goes on and on and he's elaborating on how he feels, how he he tells God in verse eight, you have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. Mm. I'm confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. And then he goes on and on about how he's feeling um, and how he continues to cry out to the Lord. And then it ends in verse 18. Instead of ending with hope, this Psalm is kind of, among the unique ones that don't. And it says, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. And then he says, darkness is my closest friend. (laughs) I mean, depression at its finest. Right. I mean, I don't know. I can't say he had clinical depression. I don't know what his life looked like. I don't know if he was eating, not eating for how long. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. what I do know is that 
He is clearly in pain, yet he's praying to God, which means he believes in God. Yeah. And he has faith in God enough to say, God, save me, help me. He's asking for help in this prayer. I just didn't read those verses. Mm -hmm. But he's simultaneously expressing his pain, but asking God to help me. Correct. And and when David in Psalm 13, it's similar. He's like, God, like, I need you. And so, you know, I wouldn't say personally that that depression in and of itself is sinful, kind of mm-hmm. like how you're reaching your conclusion too, that you would agree with me in that sense. Um, I think it's part of us living in a fallen world and we experience pain. David was fleeing from his life. At some point, people wanted to kill him. Right. Um, you know, that's traumatizing. That causes, you know, problems and sadness and frustration. Mm-hmm. Haman, I don't know what was going on with him, but I would imagine, you know, there was stuff that happened in his life that caused really deep despair right. and he was losing his friends and he had a lot of grief. And so I think part of the human experience is experiencing emotions. And for some of us, we go through really hard things that warrants really deep feelings. And I don't think that's necessarily sinful because we're not responsible for the actions of others against us. Right. It's how we respond. Like you said, you have the courage to seek out counseling for yourself and you responded seeking like seeking the light and seeking help. And I think God honors that. Yeah. Um, whereas somebody, you know, we like we get to choose how we respond, although we don't always choose what happens to us. That causes that uh, pain. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll let you comment if there is anything. I, I kind of went on a roll there. <laughs> no, you're fine. I really, it, it actually just dawned on me. Daniel's response, not Daniel, sorry, I read about Daniel this morning. David's yeah. response and Haman's yeah. response. They were essentially crying out for help. And mm-hmm. their form of crying out for help was writing exactly how they felt. Yeah. Today, yeah. our form of crying out for help is we don't eat, you know, we don't Mm. sleep. I personally, if you want to know how I'm feeling, check my journal because I am very (laughs) honest there. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of us, we show how we're feeling. We show that cry for help through either writing out how we feel through eating too much, not eating too much, you know, so we Definitely, mm-hmm. as human beings, we have some type of response and we're showing people and we're showing them that, hey, I desperately, desperately need help, but I don't know yeah. where to find it. But thankfully, Absolutely. we have that biblical example that these two individuals, especially, they sought the Lord. They were very honest with God. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. as Christians, we don't want to be honest with God and tell him, hey, I I feel like death is my friend. I'm in a rut. I'm whatever, you know, and that's what God wants from us. He wants our honesty. He wants our vulnerability because that Mm -hmm. is the ultimate sign of humility of letting go and giving him control of our situation. Absolutely. No, Mm -hmm. that is so good. Absolutely. Super good. And I would even say, and I mean, this might segue into like, you know, hope and, you know, counseling and what can help with depression. Right. But, um, sometimes you know, depression has its different causes. And so I even thought of like second Corinthians seven, Paul's talking about godly sorrow. And then in lamentations, we see that, you know, people are lamenting, 
Uh, and so there's this sense of not all sorrow is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, if I go off and do something and I sin against God and I become so grieved by my actions, that is a good, good sorrow. Right. That is good. Why? Because it's going to lead me to repentance and it's going to lead me to bearing the fruit of the spirit and realigning myself with the Lord. And so I think therapy is a really cool place where people can explore why they mm-hmm. feel because sometimes people don't even know why they're sad. They don't right. even know why they're depressed. They they have no idea, you know, mm-hmm. and therapy is a safe place where people can explore what has caused this. And sometimes trauma uh, surfaces, sometimes unforgiveness that they didn't even know was there comes to the surface. Right. And the cool thing is, is that when those things come to the surface, at first it feels a little overwhelming. But as it's worked through and you bring it to the Lord and you work through that in therapy, it brings so much freedom and you find yourself not pretending to be okay, but actually being okay. Yeah. And that is so freeing because some people are so used to pretending Mm -hmm. and that's exhausting. Oh, yeah. I (laughs) remember when I was going through that depressive time in my life, I no one knew. No one knew what was going on. Um, Mm -hmm externally but internally I knew I was struggling I knew I was battling because I knew the thoughts that I had and but I remember walking around on campus this was actually through college years but I remember walking around campus and I thought everyone sees what I'm struggling with right now everyone's like I thought like Mm. everyone could see inside of me and Anyone that yeah. watched me, I, I thought that they were judging that I was depressed and they were judging what was done to me. It was, it was mm. the strangest thing. And in counseling, yeah. you know, I, I explained what I was what, what I was going through and what I yeah. thought would be something that the counseling would deal with the root of the issue of what was done. Mm-hmm. Like you said, mm-hmm. it brought up things that I didn't even know I was holding on to. She asked yeah. me questions about family. She asked me things about, you know, stuff that I've struggled with and didn't know that I struggled with and mm-hmm. come to find out. I was like, oh, yeah, I do struggle with this thing. And one of those things is trying to pretend because I'm so type A, trying to pretend mm-hmm. that life is perfect. And, you yeah. know, she told me, Vashti, it's OK to be broken. It's OK to not have yeah. your life put together. And yeah. You know, we targeted so many different issues through all of our sessions when mm-hmm. all I went there for was, hey, can you help me walk through this? Because I'm struggling with what was done. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I walked out not know, uh, completely free. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still as things come, you know, it resurfaces certain hurt and issues. But I yeah. I gained tools, per se. I gained mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. that idea of, OK, Whenever this resurfaces, this is what you do. Of course, you take mm-hmm. it to God. But from a practical standpoint, these are things yeah. that you can set in place. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. I went on. I went on a no, tangent there. It's so good. <laughs> no, and I love that you're sharing your like pieces of your personal experience with it because for Christians and even people who are listening, going to listen to this podcast that have shame about feeling that way and are so used to pretending and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost like encouraging to say, oh, like, what you know, that's what it's like to go to therapy, being free. Some people are so nervous to call up a counselor or so nervous to go and seek that help out because they don't know what to expect. And what if, you know, my friends find out that I'm going and what if this goes wrong? Mm -hmm. And what if I end up even worse off than what I started, you know? And so I am super appreciative that you're choosing to share 
parts of your story because I think it's going to encourage some people to take that leap of courage that you had uh, years ago. So that's awesome. And I mean, and something I wanted to mention too is that like with depression, the the best treatment out there is uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. There's different kinds of therapy, but Mm -hmm. that's shown to help a lot with depression. And it also depends on the cause for the depression too. Okay. Um, Some people have mixed feelings about antidepressant medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my personal stance on antidepressant medication. It's not my personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do see that there have been some studies done where it shows that a mixture of therapy and antidepressant medication can be helpful right. um, for people to come out stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways to, you know, you can pair therapy with uh, good nutrition, good sleep, hygiene, um, exercise is an excellent uh, buffer against depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a good social support system is always recommended. Having people that you can count on is a great buffer against depressive episodes. And so um, I, of course, I'm an advocate for therapy. I'm a therapist <laughs> um, because it brings that stuff to light that you can get freedom from. But um, yeah, so that's, I think I would recommend if you're listening, this podcast and you're wondering if there is hope and hope for you of absolutely there's hope because God is real and Mm -hmm. absolutely there's help out there. There are people that uh, study this stuff to help people come out on the other side. And locally, because this, for those of you who don't know, we are Dallas based. Where Mm -hmm. can someone go if they are struggling or they they'll based on this podcast, they'd say, you know, I am clinically depressed. Um, yeah. who would you advise them to go to? Oh, good question. <laughs> that is a good question. Well, I can say where I work and we have, there's a bunch of clinicians there. I think we're between 30 to 40 clinicians mm-hmm. at the practice I'm at. Right. Um, so we're called the center for integrative psychology and counseling. Mm-hmm. We're off of MacArthur Avenue in Dallas. Um, but there are, I mean, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I think because of the population, there are so many clinicians. If you're wanting to find someone catered to you based on your insurance, based on the issues you're facing, or you want a female versus male counselor, you can go hop on psychologytoday.com and search by zip code and search. Uh, you can do filters on, you know, depression, or I need a bilingual therapist. And then you'll have a list of therapists in your area that meet those requirements you're looking for. And you can just go down the list and call them up and see if they have availability. Um, If you were looking for a Christian counselor, you can add that into the filter and Christian counselors will pop up. Does it matter um, to have a faith-based counselor? Would you, do you encourage that or is, is the practice pretty much even playing field that it wouldn't really make a difference? Huh, good question. I will say where I work, most of us are Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of what would be most helpful, if you are a Christian, I would say it probably would be most helpful. And the only reason I'm saying that is because uh, the more someone can understand you, the better. Mm-hmm. Therapists are excellent at understanding people, meeting them where they're at. But if they don't have the same faith as you, they may not be able to integrate the faith into the counseling session and mm-hmm. encourage you in your faith actively. But if you find yourself someone who both shares your faith and has the smarts of psychology and therapy, Mm -hmm. then it's like the lottery. You got it, baby. Like it's somebody who can help you practically, but can also encourage you in the faith and the process. Right. And that is absolute gold. So, yes, if your faith means a lot to you, I would absolutely recommend uh, finding someone that shares that faith. And what about those who would necessarily say that they are atheists or they don't believe in Jesus? 
Um, mm-hmm. Would it be beneficial for them to seek a faith-based counselor or seek someone that, as you said, um, find mm-hmm. someone that thinks the way, not thinks the way you do, but believes the way you do? Would you mm-hmm. encourage that? Or would you say a faith-based counselor, no matter if you're a Christian or not, you know, you'd, you'd advocate for them. What would be mm-hmm. the difference between one that does not believe in Jesus and is a counselor mm-hmm. versus that, that does believe in Jesus um, and mm-hmm. is in the practice? Yeah, no, good question. I'm trying to think of how I can answer that without making it super long. Um, so in counseling, there are therapists that are Christian mm-hmm. and then there are Christian therapists. Okay. So I do want to point that out. There are people who are like, I only do Christian counseling. I only counsel with integrating faith in my practice. Right. And then there are counselors that are Christian, but don't necessarily uh, bring that into the therapy room. Mm-hmm. And the reason why some Christian therapists say it from the get go is because it's unethical to have a client that you are trying to convince of your own faith in the therapy room, because okay. it's not a place for evangelism. It's not a place for uh, convincing someone else that their worldview is wrong because right. this other person as a client is so vulnerable and is being so open to you. That it's almost, even if, you know, I as a clinician believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God is real and yeah. I have an atheist before me in their most vulnerable state and I so badly want to share with them the truth. I ethically, our code of ethics says we cannot do it because it must be their decision on their mm-hmm. own outside of the practice, not because you swept it in a moment of complete vulnerability and they weren't seeking it out. Right. And so... As a therapist, um, I can't uh, share my faith with those who aren't asking about it. Now, if somebody asks me that's not a, a, a Christian in session about my faith, I can share it if I feel comfortable. Yeah. But my intentions can never be to change their mind about something. So I guess to, I wanted to share that before answering your question, because uh, there is like that code of ethics there. But um, I think that if someone is not a Christian or a person of faith, um, is seeking therapy, if mm-hmm. they're open and wondering and wanting to explore faith, then yeah, I would say maybe it could be cool to have a therapist that is religious or spiritual to explore that in session because they would have probably more idea. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's more of what the person is looking for. And it, I mean, as a Christian, I want all people to come to the knowledge of Christ. Like that right. is my desire. Um but that is where the church comes in. And I think that's the church's role of mm-hmm. us evangelizing, inviting, building those relationships with people because therapy is a place of overcoming trauma and depression and um, not always for discipleship yeah. unless the person wants it. Well, yeah. I don't know if that answered the question. No, it definitely does. It definitely <laughs> does. Honestly, I loved, love, love, love this whole conversation. You touched on phenomenal points and, um, You know, you talked about clinical depression is not a sin. You know, God is with us in our sorrows and there are solutions. You listed that out. Um, You touched from a biblical perspective. So, Veronica, I just thank you so, so much. One, for what you're doing, for your love for people and for helping those who are um, battling any type of mental disorder or you know, whatever it is that they're going through, you know, it it shows that you have a big heart and a big care for people. Um, Thank you for joining us today. And before we close out, I just want to pray for those who are, those who are battling depression um, that God would move in their lives. So yeah. 
God, we thank you so much, Lord. I thank you for Veronica and her heart. God, I thank you that you've allowed us to have this platform to share the gospel message in a unique way, um, sharing what depression is, that it's not a sin, that it's normal. It's a part of our human nature. However, there is hope and that hope is found in you. So God, if there's anyone that's listening right now that is battling clinical depression um, and is calling out for help, God, I pray that they will seek you, that they will take that step to seek counseling, that they will take that step um, to seek that deliverance and that freedom in you, Jesus. We believe it today, Lord, and we thank you in advance for those who will take that bold step to freedom. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for having me. This was so, so fun. It's such an honor. Yeah, yeah no problem. Podcast, really cool. <laughs> I like girl for a second when you asked me to come on here. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I'll connect with you some other time. I'm sure people will want to hear you again. But in the meantime, have a good one. And thanks again for joining. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, follow button, share button, send it to a friend. And I will see y'all next week. Same time, same place. Love you, but remember, God loves you most.